Jesus. Jesus over everything. Come on, let's give it up for our King. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Father, we want to worship you right now, Lord. Father, you deserve all the praise right now, God. From generation to generation, may you reign King forevermore. Father, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our young people. Father, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our church, God. And Lord, we want to just give you all the glory, God. Father, we just want to honor you. And Father, we want to commit the rest of this service in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Awesome. And let's give it up for the worship team one more time. Absolutely smash it. Awesome. Hey, well, welcome to Youth Sunday, everyone. Hope you guys are enjoying yourself. My name is Jordan. I'm the youth pastor here along with my beautiful wife. She is floating around somewhere. There she's at the back with our son. Shout out to Judah. <laughs> um, but hey, youth is taking over the service and hopefully you guys, especially some of the new people, uh, if you're new here, we hope we didn't scare you away with some of our crazy antics. But yeah, we're all about fun and fungus and we're all about us to ourselves. But who knows, we need God in the center of that. Can we get an amen? But, you know, hopefully you know, we're able to get a bit of a glimpse of what our Fridays look like. And we run every Friday. Uh, this coming Friday, I just want to give a bit of a plug for our youth ministry. We've got our regionals coming up. And basically that's our more homely sort of vibes where uh, kids meet up in three different regions. Uh, we've got Baldwin, Doncaster and Glen Waverley Warren Turner, which is the one region. So uh, if you want more informa information, follow us on our social media. Um, but also after that, We've got United We Stand, which is an awesome event happening across the nation. And basically, it's a whole bunch of youth ministries coming together for the sake of Jesus. And it's such a powerful statement of young people uniting and worshipping God together across the nation uh, on that same night. And it's a great, great event. If you're not coming, if you're a teenager, make sure you come along. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Cool? But hey, um, we are in week four of our Generation Series and hopefully you guys are really having some fun. Are we having fun, church? Awesome. Um, today I have the privilege of advocating for the next generation of young people in our church. And you know, I actually, I really believe in the next generation and it's not because I'm the youth pastor or anything like that, but really it's because of my past uh, my heritage as a teenager myself. And if you cast your eyes to the screen, if it comes up, cool, that's me at my youth group, um, my first youth camp as a teenager. Um, and you know, as a teenager, uh, I faced a whole bunch of different trials and you know, all sort of things that um, came my way as a teenager. But ultimately, I noticed that all these things that happened in my life affected my identity and who I saw myself as. And as a kid, you know, actually before I moved here to Melbourne, uh, this was actually in Sydney, I had a bunch of youth pastors and youth leaders who actually in invested into me. And you know, they picked me up every Friday to take me to youth group. And you know, those weekly car rides actually meant a lot to me. You know, there were a few things that were happening at home at the time and I knew that being a youth group would make me happy. And I was only at that youth ministry for you know, a couple of months, actually. I wasn't there for very long. But to this day, I actually look back at those moments 
Those moments when a generation above me would actually take their time, they sacrifice their petrol, uh, their energy, and their money just to get me to this program every Friday so that I could encounter God. And, you know, today, in this day and age, we live in a society where young people are living in brokenness like never before. And for us as a generation above, we, we can, it can be so easy for us to just sit by the sidelines and just see, see it happen. But even at Fungus on, on Friday, we're actually going through this series called Culture Shock. And last Friday, we talked about this idea of being bodybuilders for God. And, you know, it's this idea of being intentional about building the body of Christ through a variety of generations. And you see, young people are growing up in a society where self-exaltation, self-satisfaction, and um, conformity is king. It's being blasted into them. And they only feel like they can turn to their friends or people um, they, at school and, 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 sadly enough, social media. And as a result, they become aware of, um, they're, they're actually not aware of the people they're becoming and who they're turning into. But, you know, I actually want to talk a bit of stats for a second, if that's okay. Um, so these are just some of the things I found that were actually very, um, uh, and, um, very, I guess, full on for me when I actually uh, came across it. And these, these are some of the things I found. 50% of all lifelong mental health problems begin before the age of 14. Over 75% of mental health problems occur before the age of 25. Young people are less likely than any other age group to seek professional help. One out of 10 young people aged 12 to 17 have engaged in self-harm. Suicide continues to be the biggest killer of young Australians. Suicide is responsible for one third of all deaths of young people aged 14 to 25. Now I know this is just mental health and I'm aware of that, but you know, young people are so impressionable that if the right buttons are pushed, they will turn to whatever they can. And you name it, drugs, crime, sex, money, alcohol, they're starting to neglect their families, uh, violence, and of course, their social media. And I want to highlight social media for a bit. Instagram, for instance. Who uses Instagram here? I love Instagram. But you know, Instagram can actually become a place uh, for, for young people where they can actually rate each other by just sliding an emoji or they use filters to, to um, you know, cover up their appearance and make themselves feel better about how they look. And, they're also exposed to a whole bunch of different iconic celebrities that influence them in a way that manifests in the way that they act, in the way that they dress, in the way that they behave, and the way that they speak. And you know, being influenced in this social media realm ultimately comes out in the way that they engage in their real world. Social media profiles are increasingly becoming a platform for young people to cry out for attention. And as you can see, like never before, we need a generation of young people who are willing you know, to stand up for Jesus, regardless of what culture is saying, regardless of what social media is trying to dictate in their lives. We need a generation who is willing to bring Jesus in their schools, in their family, and is willing to, to see the world around them be turned upside down for the sake of Jesus. And you know, for us as, a, as an older generation, uh, I want to tell you that we actually exist for a reason. 
Do you believe that? We exist for a reason. Above. So that we can set the example of a life centered around Christ through our wisdom, experience, and engagement with God. And you know, you don't really have to be in youth ministry or a youth pastor or a youth leader or anything like that to be able to influence the next generation. And by the same breath for us, older folk, I guess you could say, (laughs) for us, uh, we can even learn a thing or two from some of these young people. We can learn so much from them. And you know, actually me and Ruth, like, there's so many times where young people are having uh, words from God for us. prophetic words and praying for us and man there's something so powerful about young people stepping up to the plate and our young people have this innate ability uh, to to hear from God and they have this passion in an unprecedented way young you know young person if you're hearing this right now you can actually change the world do you believe that you can change the world but you know what it's not you that's going to do it but it's God who's going to enable you to do it now, we've been going through various movies that reflect each generation over the past couple of weeks. Kids Ministry kicked us off with The Greatest Showman and how amazing was their set. And we had Jerusha share an amazing word last week. And at 1830, our young adults gave us FGA Idol. But you know, today, as you may have noticed, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. And it actually wasn't on the, the front of my mind as I was preparing for a message. But you know, it actually sort of suits what I'm about to talk about this morning. And it's this idea of the next generation of world changers. Everybody turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're a world changer. changer. Awesome. We're all going to change the world in Jesus' name. This morning, I'll be anchoring my message on the story of Daniel. Story of Daniel. And you know, this is one of my most favorite Bible stories of all time. Shout out to all the Daniels in the house. <laughs> uh, even, you know, even as I was reading it, Daniel at the time was a young person who stood firm in his faith in the midst of a culture that was trying to change his identity. And the story of Daniel begins uh, with um, the, the Babylonians' first attack on Jerusalem and there was a whole bunch of exiles that were taken out. And amongst these exiles, we had four youths. Four youths. We had Daniel, of course. We had, um, who was the other guy? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, you know, we all know them by their Babylonian names, actually, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And uh, they're all from the tribe of Judah and from the royal line of David. And actually, I want to highlight the significance of these name changes. Um, Let me me go through them a little bit, because, you know... the, the Babylon, as I said, the Babylonian culture was trying to change their identity. And even in their names, we see that. And in the same way, the culture of the world is actually trying to change who we are. And let's just go through those name changes for a second. Daniel, his name means God is my judge. Gets changed to Belteshazzar, which means lady protect the king. Did you know that? And all of a sudden, we see this shift, right? He, he this this male character gets changed to this female character, right? And this idea of a powerful God you see in a judge gets changed to a king who needs protecting. Next one. Hananiah, meaning Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh being the Hebrew word for God, gets changed to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. And all of a sudden we see a shift. A gracious and loving God is out there just for you. 
Shift to a tyrannical God who's out there to condemn you, out there to destroy you. Mishael gets uh, means how? Uh, who can compare to my God? No one gets changed to Meshach, which means I am despised and ha hated and humiliated. This spirit of confidence ultimately gets reduced to a spirit of cowardice. And finally, we have Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped, God has helped. And we all know Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo, which is one of the Chaldean gods of the time. A God who is for us gets shifted to a life of slavery towards man and their gods. But you know, one common thing that we see throughout all these name changes is this. A focus on God to a focus on self and a focus on the things of man. And you see, that's what culture is trying to do. Culture is trying to take away our attention off God and put our focus on the things of others, the things of man and of ourselves. What this world desires is to redefine you, to redefine your purpose, your faith, and ultimately your God. <laughs> Come on, thank you, Uncle Robert. Hey, feel free to shout back at me, you know. <laughs> yeah, preach it. <laughs> When you, you, know, you see, when we make the culture of the world king in our lives, the culture of the king falls to the side. Uh, what are you going to choose this morning? Young people, what are you going to choose? Who, which friends are you going to hang out with? What sort of music are you, you going to let influence you? What sort of um, uh, things are you going to look at in your spare time? Because you know what? The enemy is out there to seek, kill and destroy and that's the reality of it. In 2 Corinthians 11:14 it says, "And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light." But throughout the book of Daniel, we see Daniel and his friends stand firm in the midst of a culture that was evidently out to get him in every way. And there was this sense of culture shock, right? We all know what culture shock is. For those who don't know, this is what it says in the dictionary. The feeling of disorientation experienced by someone when they are suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or set of attitudes. You know, I hope we realize that our lives actually are, is ultimately what God wants to use to shock the world. Whilst at the same time when we commit our lives to God and we step into this new identity in Him, you need to realize that actually when we step into the world again, that it's going to shock us. And yeah, just as the definition says, your way of life, your attitude that reflects the world is almost not going to sit well with you anymore. And you know, like I said earlier, ultimately what the world wants to glorify is what God wants to glorify. So I actually want to go through three things this morning. Three shock the world moments that we see in Daniel. Three shock the world moments, okay? So the first one that I want to highlight is in Daniel chapter 1 and it's this. That moment when Daniel makes a stand. When Daniel makes a stand. And you see, Daniel, this is in chapter 1, and Daniel refuses to eat the king's food that is being offered to him. And this was after he had already been chosen by the king and the chief officers of Babylon. Uh, Babylon. And let's, let's read a bit of scripture because we love the word of God here at church. Amen. Awesome. Daniel 1, chapter 8, verses 8, chapter 1, verse 8 to 16. Uh, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. 
And God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Verse 12. Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So you listen to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So come on, all those people who ate vegetables earlier, hey, there's favour coming your way in Jesus' name. Come on. But you see, he refuses to eat the food because, you know, actually, the, the culture that he came from, there were certain foods that he was not allowed to eat. And it, you can see it in the Torah. And, you know, even for us Asians, right, if we deny to want to eat any food, it's disrespectful. Who can say amen to that? <laughs> I remember going to Ruth's house a couple of times, and, you know, we'd be eating dinner, and her grandma uh, would always sit there and just watch us eat. <laughs> she would watch us eat, and then there's so much pressure on, on how much you're eating, and if you're not going for seconds, she would just give you this stare. This stare. <laughs> But hey, Lola, your food is amazing. Shout out to Lola over there. Awesome. I believe she's the oldest person here in the chair, so big, big shout out to her. But you know, I love what happens next in the, in the scripture. They, after they get tested, this is what happens. Their obedience in the Lord was actually more sufficient than what the king had to offer. And if we look into verse 18, uh, 19, sorry, this is what it says. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all the kingdom. How good is that? You see, King Neb, let's call him King Neb, uh, couldn't help but notice that there was something special about these young boys. Something special about him. He didn't really know him that well, but he knew that he could see that was something special about them. And my prayer is that we would be a generation that reflects the culture of the kingdom. And as a result, that everyone we engage with would be affected and astounded by our character because of what God has done in our lives. You see, Daniel, he didn't just sit around and take what the, the culture of the world was trying to feed and shove into his mouth. No, Daniel stood up for what he believed in. He knew he needed to say something. And friend, you've been called to your workplace for a reason. You've been called to your community, your family. You've been called to this church for a reason. But hey, since it's you Sunday, I want to talk to all the young people for a sec. Young person, wherever you are, you've been called to your school for a reason. Come on. And it's increasingly getting more and more and more difficult for us as external groups to go into schools nowadays and share the gospel. Did you know that? I was actually catching up with a friend of mine who's been in school ministry for years. And she was telling me that there was a time where she could actually go to schools in their lunchtime, share the gospel. And every lunchtime, there will be a whole bunch of kids that would hear about Jesus, a whole bunch of kids who would get saved in their lunchtimes. And how amazing is that? There's a sense of revival happening. But you know, nowadays, you can't even speak Jesus into schools anymore. 
And for us as external groups, I've been trying to get into schools for a couple of years now, and we've had our opportunities, but it's been, it hasn't really been about sharing Jesus. It's been more about presenting yourself and, and offering what you can to the schools. But there's just sense of urgency, sense of urgency. But, you know, if a young person could realize the voice and the thing that they have inside of them, the calling they have on their lives, us as external groups, hey, we don't even have to set foot into schools anymore. Because, you know, there's this sense of power that they have as a young person to influence the sphere around them. This power of making a stand for Jesus in their schools. This, this idea of even starting prayer groups, this idea of starting um, Bible study groups in their lunchtime, they're, just, they're compelled to reach out to their friends, not because we're telling them to, but because they themselves have this desire and passion to see the kingdom of God in their schools. Hey, but you know, by the same breath, young person, that doesn't mean you go and step over everyone that tries to get in your way. It doesn't mean you, you shove it back in their faces or anything like that. But it's this idea of presenting yourself in a way that pleases God. You see, just like we see in Daniel, all he did was stand up for what he believed in, right? He didn't throw the food back at the king's face. He didn't say any harsh words towards the chief officers or anything like that. He just stood up for what he believed in. And you know, God came in and did the rest. He came in and did the rest. Verse 9, you see, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in sight of the chief of the unions. Church, it's time to make a stand and let your standing stand the test of time so that we may inspire the world around you. Cool. So that's the first point. And it's this idea of making a stand. The next one is this. That moment when God's got the goods. Everybody say, God's got the goods. And like I said earlier, these guys, for them to be in this position of serving the king, they actually needed to meet a certain criteria. And let's go back to Daniel chapter 1, where it states that. Verse 3, the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Yeah, and let's look into verse 17. This is what it says. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all the visions and dreams. You see, God gave them what they needed. All that stuff you saw earlier, hey, that's what they needed to, to be a servant of the king. And as you can see here, God gave it to them. In chapter 2, which is after this whole ordeal that happened with the, the, the eating of the food, we see this, the king now, King Nebi, has a vivid dream. Okay, And he actually cannot rest until he gets this dream interpreted. Okay, And this is, um, yeah, like I said, after he eats all the food and all that stuff, and then he, he needs it. He's very systematic in a sense that he needs, uh, once that happens, he needs it interpreted. And for me particularly, I can relate with him in that way because I'm very systematic in the way that I do things. I have an app for everything that I do. I've got an app that tracks my hours for work. I have an app that tracks um, my calendar with my wife so that you know we have a kid now so we need to make sure all our events are in order. And I've got an app that even tracks, uh, that wakes me up every every morning and it's not just an alarm but it actually forces me to do like a 
a math quiz, or shake the phone 30 times, or run to the kitchen, take a photo of my coffee. You know, it's, I'm really systematic, and I need it. I need these systems in place, or I go crazy, okay? And unfortunately for King Nev, there isn't an app for interpreting dreams, right? <laughs> Maybe we need to make one. <laughs> but it, it drove him crazy. And let's look at what it says in, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a, great, uh, such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing, the, the, the thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. And if you had an ATAR of 90 and above, the, the king was out there to get you. <laughs> and luckily for me, I've only got my mid-70s, so shout out to all the average people out there. <laughs> but you see, evidently, no one could interpret the dream. No one. It was really difficult. No magician, no enchanter, no Chaldean, not even Harry Potter could in, in, interpret this dream. It was so difficult and he was so angry. And how timely is it that Daniel comes in? He comes into the mix equipped with the ability to interpret dreams and this understanding of wisdom. You see, God had the goods for him. God had the goods for him. As a result of his obedience and just making a stand, God granted him with the tools for what was to come. You see, interpreting dreams wasn't even in the list of things in that criteria of, of the king that he needed for him to be a servant. But God knew it. God knew that he needed to interpret the dream, so hey, he equipped him. God gave him what he needed just in the right time. And you see, when I started leading Fungus this year, it's been an awesome journey. But I'm actually very optimistic and I'm, I'm a, an evangelist in, in nature and I, all I was expecting was to see a massive revival in our youth ministry. And I was hoping to see this, this fire just consume just like that. But it was completely opposite and we moved through the year and God was continuously challenging me you know, as the overseer of our ministry. But I could see that as we progressed in the year that God had the goods the whole time. That God was actually in work in our leaders. God was in work in our young people and there was this hunger that was rising up in our young people. And you know, we had our camp just as we had um, earlier this year, we had our speaker who came and he was an amazing blessing to our youth ministry. And um, he, was, he wasn't even the first person I reached out to for, for a camp speaker, but actually God knew that we needed him. God had the goods the whole time. And as we pursued him as a leadership team, we were praying every fortnight as a, um, not the game fortnight, every Sunday fortnight to, to pray and just really dream about the, uh, this vision that God had entrusted us with. And we saw, we saw the move of God. We saw that unravel every Friday. We see young people worshiping God in a way that we never before. After camp, wow. Leaders, we can say that there's just something happening in our young people. Come on. There's something happening in our youth ministry. God is doing something good in our young people. Come on, let's give glory to Jesus for that. Kids were coming up, sharing testimonies about how they're keeping each other accountable. 
They're praying for each other. They're, there's kids that have a desire to reach out for their friends in their old schools. Not even their school now. They want to go back to their old school and reach their friends. There's this desire in them that is coming out to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. What goods does God have for you this morning? Daniel chapter 2 verses 46 to 48 says this. Then King Neb fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and said, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. As you can see, Daniel's gift would go on and impact the highest ruler of Babylon. The highest ruler of Babylon. And you see, when young people realize, when they realize that they have something in them that was given to them by God, all they need is this platform. And, you know, we have a, a group of boys at Fungus that wanted to see more hype in our, our worship. <laughs> and, you know, what we did is we actually gave them a, a platform. We gave them this opportunity to lead it. And, you know, I've never seen worship like that before at youth ministry. There's young people are, are jumping up and down in a way that we've never seen before. And it's all because a bunch of boys had this desire. Come on, shout out to these boys right now. These young boys had a desire to see that happen. And, you know, in the same way, if a young person can influence that atmosphere, if they go into the world with that same desire, hey, who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen? Because as you can see, King Neb fell upon his face. And in the same way, kings, queens, principals, pastors, uncles, aunties, you name it, hey, they're going to be bowing down to our God because of a young person who realized a call in their life. And, you know, by honoring God, He not only equips you, but He blesses you so that you're ready to face what is coming your way. And finally, if I can invite the worship team up, I want to end with the last point. How are we doing, everyone? Are we doing good? Yeah. This is the last point. That moment when you subscribe to the Culture King. The Culture King. And not Culture King store in, in the city, but the Culture King himself. There is no way I can talk about changing the world without talking about the King who affected the world in every way. You see, Jesus himself was countercultural. He was countercultural because he did not conform to the things of this world. He shocked the world as well through his life, his mercy and kindness and sacrificial love. Romans 12, 1-2 is what it says in the Passion. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine, work, genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to, to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes and our response to God's mercy should be evident in the way that we live our lives whatever era you live in young old we must live in holiness subscribing to the king 
and not just subscribing to worldly things. Because, you know, through that actually manifests a genuine life of worship. And if we look through the Bible, hey, there's a whole bunch of things there about Jesus shocking the world. We see it, Jesus and the adulterous woman. Jesus showing grace to an adulterous woman when the world wanted to persecute her because of the things that she's done in the past. But you know, Jesus comes in and shows grace regardless of it. Jesus heals the blind man. He brings healing when it was not considered appropriate at the time. It was the Sabbath, so you weren't allowed to work or anything like that. But you know, Jesus saw the importance of it. He knew what was to come from it. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus accepted a woman who was outcasted and hated by society. Because, you know, she actually lived a life of, of, uh, with multiple partners and all these sort of things um, that was giving her this identity. But, you know, Jesus saw past that. He saw past it and loved her anyway. Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus dines with this tax collector. Zacchaeus, we all know this story. This tax collector was one of the most despised professions at the time. And no one wanted to be around them. But you know, Jesus went out of his way to dine with him. Jesus goes out of his way. And finally, these are only just some of the points. I could just keep going, right? But I'm just going to highlight a few of them. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. You see, the world is all about consuming. The world is all about, give me this, give me that. But Jesus... Hey, he shocked that. He went above that. He, was, he gave this idea of giving as opposed to consuming. But what astounds me is that out of all these things, Jesus would always make a stand for humanity. He'd always make a stand for you and me. Culminating to that, that moment on the cross where he stood for us. Because, because he knew if he submitted to the Father, that regardless of all the persecution, regardless of all the pain and suffering that he faced, that God would come and reign victorious. Friends, let us subscribe to the life of Christ for the sake of a dying world out there. Let us realize that when we stand in the gap for others, God is able to do the rest for us. Let us shock the world through the way that we live and the way that we love, just like Jesus did. You know, some of you may have come to church this morning and wanted to take away something for yourself, and I really hope that you did. But for just a moment, I want to encourage you this morning to get excited about what is happening in our young people. Because, you know, there is a generation out there that is after you that needs your prayers. There's a generation after you that need a good uh, role model, that need good counsel. But most importantly, a generation that is absolutely capable of changing the world. What I want to do right now, if you're a teenager in this place, if you're a young person, I want to encourage you to stand in your seat. So if you're age 18 or below, you're high school, you're prime school, just stand wherever you are all across this auditorium. If you see a teenager next to you, get them to stand up. Come on, I see some teenagers that aren't standing. <laughs> have to be a teenager for this. Awesome. You see church, all, all these young people see before you are the future. They're the future. And I believe that our community, that we're moving into this church, 
we're going to affect the community because of what we're doing today as a generation. But hey, we need a people for tomorrow who's going to be willing to take that mantle of bringing the kingdom of God here. And each and every person standing right now is the next generation of, of, of world changers who's going to do that. And just like Daniel stood in the midst of a culture that was trying to change him, let these the standing of each and every young person here in this place inspire you and help you realize the call on each and every one of their lives. And I want to end with this last scripture in, in Psalms 127 verses 3 to 5. Children are the heritage from the Lord. Offspring, oh sorry, offspring are reward from Him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Are children born in one's youth? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And as I said, the young people are our future. Without a quiver full of these guys, what do we have to propel forward? And. Just like any effective arrow, we need arrows to be sharp, we need arrows to be straight, we need arrows to be uh, not brittle but a strong arrow so that we can actually propel them effectively. So church, please join us in shaping this generation of effective arrows so that we can propel them into this community. And you know, I'm believing, and that's my heart, and I know that it's the heart of each and every one of you, that Box Hill will see God because of a youth ministry that was coming every Friday night. Come on. And finally, I want to invite Pastor Roland to just pray for all of these young people, to prophesy over them, and just to encourage them to change the world for Jesus. First of all, I must uh, congratulate Ruth for marrying this guy. You have brought a blessing to our house. What a powerful message. It gets better each week. And you know, we are so encouraged by how God is transforming the young people. About two or three years ago, you know, I hardly dream dreams in my sleep. I sleep, I, I don't have godly dreams, sorry. But two, three years ago, I had a dream that God visited our youth group and that revival started in our church through the youth group. And so I went to tell our youth leaders and all that, but two years have passed, we still haven't really seen it, but now I'm beginning to see the fulfillment of that dream. You know, youths are very powerful. In fact, most of the revolutions that take place in the world are through students and through youth. And so I believe our next generation is going to change the earth because of what God is going to do. We are going to see the greatest revival we've ever seen that's been prophesied by many prophets around the world that the greatest revival is coming like we have never seen before. And FGA Melbourne is going to be part of it. Amen. Amen. And as, you know, Pastor Jordan here asked me to prophesy over the youth. And I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what do I do 
And so the Lord took me to Ezekiel 37. And it talks about how he saw a vision of dry bones, all a heap of bones. And God asked him to prophesy, to speak into these dry bones. And then the bones came together, flesh came into it, sinews came, all the tendons and muscles came and skin came upon them. And I read from verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Breath is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I believe our youth group is going to burst the seams. You are going to take the auditorium and it still won't be enough. You will have multiple youth services. So let's stretch our hands to the youth as we prophesy the breath of God into them. Just like how God changed me when I was 20 years old as a student in England. I was a Buddhist then in England as a student and how God transformed me and, and changed me and through me saved my family and is transforming Melbourne as well. Amen. Amen. So we are now going to speak life into the youth and breath. New breath is coming into them in, in 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And in Numbers 11:28, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since his youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Stop the evil stop the things that are happening in this world so father in the name of jesus by the authority given to us in the name of jesus we ask for the holy spirit the breath of god yes. to breathe breathe into this youth raise a mighty army from them lord help them to be passionate over the things that count passionate over the things that really matter in this world give them vision give them purpose help them lord to be moved by your breath by your holy spirit lord god oh holy spirit come upon them lord lord like the mighty wind as in books in the book of acts chapter 2 on the day of pentecost come holy spirit breathe upon them 
Breathe upon them right now in Jesus' name. Oh God, let this new army be raised in our midst right now. Anoint. I speak anointing upon Pastor Jordan right now like never before. He'll be so anointed. Oh Lord, that you will use him to impact youth, not only in this city, but throughout Australia and out of Australia through the world. Lord, raise him in your Ruth as well. These two, this couple, will be a mighty, mighty couple for your use, Lord, to impact many young people in Jesus' name. Breathe upon him. Breathe upon all these young people. Breathe upon the singers, the musicians. Give them new songs, I, I pray, right now in Jesus' name. Oh Lord God, give them, give us good preachers in our midst. Raise up apostles, pastors, teachers, Lord, evangelists in Jesus' name. Prophets in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, only you can do that in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise and all the glory.